Hey everybody, we have a new Facebook page which we will update when new episodes are available. Just search for and like Movies Charles Hasn't Seen on Facebook. If you really enjoy the podcast and want to help us out, please rate and review it on iTunes. Many, many miles east of nowhere lies the amazing land of Oz, a magnificent empire created in the mind of a man who wrote a great book about it. Like wildfire in the wheat field, the fabulous tale of the Wizard of Oz spread from town to city to nation to the entire world. Although the Wizard of Oz has captivated the children of four generations and fired the imaginations of those youthful adults who have never grown old, although 10 million copies of the book have reached eager hands and eager hearts, no one has dared the towering task of giving life and reality to the land of Oz and its people. Every delightful character of L. Frank Baum's classic is now reborn. Every glorious adventure has been recaptured and painted with a rainbow. The celebration in Munchkinland, the flying monkeys, the rescue of Dorothy, the castle of the witch, the palace of Oz, and Dorothy's strange journey to the Emerald City to find the wonderful Wizard of Oz himself. We're off to see the wizard, the wonderful wizard of Oz. We hear he is the wizard of wizards, if ever a wizard was. Welcome to Movies Charles Hasn't Seen, episode 14. My name is Crossman. I'm Wilson. And I'm Charles. And as friends, we discovered Charles enjoys movies, but other than major blockbusters from the last 15 years, he hasn't seen any. So as good friends, we decided to expose him to personal favorites and cinematic classics. And this week we watched the 1939 movie, The Wizard of Oz. So Charles, tell us about The Wizard of Oz. Do I even need to summarize it? <laughs> Probably not. Honestly, yeah, yeah, I ahead. feel like I'm the last person on the earth to watch That's this a, movie. I mean, there are people <laughs> born today, so yeah, <laughs> they, they probably like get shown it <laughs> right. Like, you know, as soon as they're able to see, right? Um, I guess in a quick summary, a tornado knocks a girl unconscious and. Uh, she wakes up with a renewed love of her family and home. <laughs> yeah, there it is. <laughs> Covered it. I mean, you're right though. That like it, it feels silly to talk about what happens in the Wizard of Oz. Uh, I, I like I don't remember when I first saw this movie. I feel like I don't either. I like, saw it a bunch as in, a kid. In the yeah. same way that I don't remember when I learned the, the rules of baseball. Right? It's just something that I feel <laughs> like always know. I've always known. I mean, like I haven't even seen the movie, and I felt like I basically knew most of the plot. Like I mean. I hadn't seen the scenes with my own eyes. I'd only seen little right. clips here and there because they show them all the time in all these like you know movie clip medleys or whatever, right? But I just felt like you know I knew the major songs and I knew most of the plot points. Just yeah. so many references everywhere. I, I hadn't seen this movie in like 15, 20 years probably, and there there are definitely some new things for me sure. this time around. Yeah, um, <laughs> well, but, but before we dig into it, uh, yeah. you you picked this one, Crossman. Why? I mean, obviously, beyond the obvious reason that it's like, Charles hadn't seen it. Yeah, that was why I. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's it's such a core like American film. That yes, yes, everybody should see. Yeah, between um, this and Raiders of the Lost Ark, those are the two movies that always got the biggest surprise when I had to admit I hadn't seen them yet. 
Yeah, I mean, this one is maybe even more surprising than Raiders. This one's probably more surprising than Raiders. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this, those are this two, is an emergency those episode. Are the two, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Those are the two top ones. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, no longer. Right, yeah. You, you got them. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, was that... Because there, there, I can see things in this movie that would appeal to you specifically, like yeah, the so use of costumes and I the think color. One of the reasons everybody's seen this movie is that yeah. they, like, they used to show it every year on TV, and I remember watching sure. it on network. I think CBS had the rights to it, like, forever. Mm-hmm. And once a year, they showed it. And I, I remember actually very specifically watching one year where they had, like, interviews of, like, the surviving cast. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and that was interesting. Um, but I was very little, so I, I hardly remember anything other than, like, them talking about the makeup for... I think the lion or the Tin Man, and when they would take it off, his face would bleed. Oh God! Because <laughs> it was like 1939 prosthetics. Yeah, they're just lead in the paint. Yeah, like, apparently yeah. there are a lot of actually like onset injuries. Oh man. Um, yeah. Well, like, and all these but, myths that surround this movie, like there's yeah. that myth about the <laughs> the coat. This is a big one. Yeah. Well, what? are you talking about the uh, Munchkin that hung himself? And you can like. See yeah, that's shadow. been proven to be. Yeah, fake. that is a myth. That didn't um, actually happen, but. I don't there, think I know a, very many myths about the movie. Besides oh, there's a time. Um, <laughs> yeah. th- so there's a weird shadow in one of the scenes, and it looks kind of like a, a noose and like a body hanging off of it, but it's just lighting equipment. Okay. Um, yeah. But for years, people thought like someone had killed themselves on just, a set or yeah. something. While they were but, filming. <laughs> but yeah. it goes to show like how much this film has been studied yeah. that someone would notice something sure. like that. Right. It's, like, it's like the stormtrooper like getting his head yeah. bashed <laughs> yeah. in yeah, uh, exactly. by the door. Oh, that uh, was fun because uh, yeah. I rewatched it in theaters like just a few months ago. People right? cheer. That happened. Everybody burst out <laughs> laughing in the theater. Just everybody yeah. knew it was But it was something that nobody saw for like 20 right. years. Maybe yeah. the editor saw it, but... Right, and didn't care. So we're not repeating the scene for that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, this, one of the other myths around the film was uh, one of the jackets that the the professor wears or the wizard wears, yeah. um, they bought it like a, a thrift store. Okay. And then in, in the lining was uh, like the name Bomb was sewn oh, in. Okay. <laughs> uh, so Bomb being the author of the yeah. book Wizard of Oz. Uh, and then they they gave the jacket to the the bomb family. Right. Yeah. It it turns out though that's not true at all. They think yeah. that the marketing guys at is this an MGM? MGM. Yeah, yep. MGM like cooked this up, yeah. and because <laughs> they someone later talked to the bomb family, and the children had like no recoll- recollection of this coat, which was like a really goofy coat that like yeah, you yeah. would well, have. And, and that's totally something known. that Louis B. Mayer would cook up. Yeah. To like pitch his movie, right? Like, right. That's exactly in character for MGM in these. No, this yeah, this is like what would be a story on like Leno, right? Right. Uh, yeah. To exactly. like, you know, of the goofy like behind the scenes, like what happened while we were making this movie. Right. Yeah. Well, but, and then some of them turned out to be right. Like there was yeah. that professor, not even a professor, it was like a high school teacher that dug really deep into the book itself and published this paper about how it's actually this political economic allegory about the turn of the century and like all these um, the researchers that, that dug into Baum's life and like studied him professionally were like this is ridiculous it's not the way it is and it turns out that, that there's a lot of evidence to suggest that it really was meant to be huh. this political allegory about shifting to the silver standard rather than the gold standard oh, God. because they're on the yellow brick road which is gold and in the book they're silver slippers not ruby Okay. Slippers, and so it's this whole, and like each character stands in for some political group, like the 
scarecrow is supposed to be farmers and the tin man is industrial workers mm -hmm. and they talk about like the the wicked witch of the east is um bankers right representing <laughs> bankers and stuff like that and so it's like this huge elaborate allegory that it, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that that's exactly what bomb meant um, and they got rid of most of that in the movie, but it's yeah. another thing that someone like dug into this story really, really deep I, and found something real. I couldn't help but thinking along those lines while I was watching yeah. the movie this time around, though, because yeah. like Munchkinland in particular, <laughs> they clearly have been like living underneath this dictator of the Wicked <laughs> Witch of the East. Yeah, whatever yeah. that entails. Um, but then at the same time, like Munchkinland like seems pretty nice. Like it's a, <laughs> like a very functioning yeah. society. And they like, got that death certificate like that. It's yeah. <laughs> It's it's a very like clean city. Like yeah. everybody has houses, and they all clearly have like different guilds. Like right, uh, and that all yeah. that choreography was already planned out. Yeah, like in case she dies. No, like Munchkin Land like seemed Maybe like it was a pretty... planned out under an iron fist. Right, it's to celebrate somebody's death. I don't know, but um, but it yeah. seemed like a very functioning society that had been living under a dictator, which is like not usually what happens. No, right? no, yeah it, it, yeah, it wasn't really clear why they were. That afraid of these witches, right? Like they didn't. Well, they're ugly. They're, the, they're the, <laughs> Glenda points out that yeah. only ugly witches are evil. <laughs> yes, <laughs> which is a line that you would never get away with playing straight now, right? Oh, like man. it reads as comedy. Yeah. Today, and cause, yeah, because I wrote that one down in my notes too. I was like, th there's no way anyone would write this or deliver yeah. this line. Yeah, Judy Garland is just like, yeah, it makes yeah, sense. Yep. Yeah, good point. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't think about it that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they speaking of the bunch kids, so they they get billed as the singer midgets. And, oh, I saw that. <laughs> I saw that. I was oh like, ooh. And yeah. they get lower billing than Terry, who played Toto. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I was like, oh man, this is a sign of. Come on, they're the taller 30s. than Toto. Yeah, yeah but yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I I feel bad for them, right? Because it's 150 people probably that. No kidding. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Who who didn't get proper billing? Probably weren't paid very well. No. Yeah. No, not if it, at all. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Charles, I was, so watching this movie, I was wondering, I mean, it occurred to me that so much of it has entered into our cultural consciousness and been yeah. referenced everywhere. And you said that you kind of felt like you knew the plot going in. Was there anything surprising? Like, did, did you come into, did you watch the movie and think like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that literally was, anything. Yeah, was, that was part of Wizard of Oz. I actually had some surprising things. Uh, okay. I'd be interested to hear what Charles if there was, I don't know if I remember. Like, it just felt like I knew what to expect. I guess I was surprised by, uh, like, how nice the production value felt for something from that time. I, I guess I don't know what to expect from something from that time period, but, like, I just, it, it all, you know, it looked pretty good, all things considered. Yeah. Um, even though I could kind of tell that she was dancing at a wall with the path painted sure. onto it. Like, yeah. it still looked pretty good. Yeah, well, and, and this is a particularly well-preserved movie because yeah. it, was, it was, I mean, it's the first color film, right? This, so it was this huge deal and they, they kept track of the actual film stock pretty well so that we get good transfers now. Yeah. yeah, and it also really made me wish I hadn't, I mean, it was another reason that I wish I hadn't seen the James Franco Oz movie. <laughs> <laughs> Forgotten that it existed. spoiled the, um, like, black and white to color transition oh. sort of trick they did, right? So I was watching that movie and I was like, Oh, it's a really cool effect. I like how they did that. <laughs> yeah, but, and then yeah, like later clever. on, I was thinking yeah. about the actual Wizard of Oz and yeah. seeing that it was in color and all that. I'm like, oh, they probably already did that in yeah, the original. That was right? not the James but, Like that was yeah, a yeah. wonderful transition where everything's so like oppressively black and white. Yeah, and then she just well, no, stumbles no, no, no. into it's this. It's sepia. sepia. Although yeah. some versions are black and white. Did but, you did you see the sepia one or? 
it, it was sepia. Which would be like brown and white, yeah. Yeah, yeah but okay. like, I mean that's that an it was monocolor. Choice. Yes, yeah, because yeah, yeah it was it was sepia, uh, not quite black and white, but you're right, it still has that same effect. I, I meant not color, basically. Right, it has yeah. that, that like, same like, she effect. She opens the door yeah. and suddenly, you know, the world is so bright and vibrant and like even her, even she shows up as color and you know, right. it was such a wonderful scene. So, yeah. um... The reason the production values are high. This is a very high budget movie yeah. for the time. So the budget at the time was two point eight million dollars, and that's just under fifty million for today's yeah. budget, which is mm-hmm. a pretty that's substantial. Wow. That's yeah, probably one of the higher budgets of yeah. the time. Yeah, although probably not the highest budget of that year because that was the same year that with Gone Ishtar, with, no, oh. Gone with the Wind, Gone with the Wind, <laughs> yeah, which was shot in the same theater. Yeah, yeah, um, and, or uh, studio. Yeah, well, it had like a two-year production time like it just took forever for this movie to get made so yeah 1939 was a huge year for mostly those two movies at stagecoach yeah. um, but anyway uh crossman you, you said that something was surprising i'm curious what it well, is yeah so i had forgotten that they like they really set up the farmhands i guess oh, i'd always yeah. thought of them as like uncles but they're they are not like clearly identified as uncles yeah um they're as their characters there. very clearly yeah. like they're like yeah. But they just yeah. they say the words. Yeah, yeah the, the one guy get, gets scared I mean, like, and the other guy's dumb. And then, since yeah. I know what's going to yeah. happen, I see them and they're saying the words like, oh, I wish I had a brain or whatever. Yeah, and I'm just yeah. Like, like, there's ah. so many references. And yeah. same thing with the, um, the wizard. Well, I forgot what the detective yeah, name is. Yeah, like but the traveling. Uh, Marvel, Mar- something Marvel. Cap- yeah. Professor Marvel. Professor Marvel, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that guy. And I mean, that was a pretty funny scene where he has her close her eyes and then he yeah. just like, roots around in her bag yeah. for a while. Yeah, and um, the witch, too, Miss, Miss yeah. Gulch. <laughs> yeah, Miss <laughs> Gulch. Yeah. Yeah, who's also uh, uh, evil because she's ugly or the other way around. And yeah. really rich. And really rich. He owns half the county. Yeah. That was, half the uh, county. That was, uh, in Kansas. In Kansas. That's a lot of land. <laughs> and probably not a lot of money, to be fair. Yeah. In yeah. Kansas. But yeah, yeah still 1939. <laughs> um, so yeah, they kind of yeah. did still draw out those economic, I mean, it was uh, allegories. Like, it was definitely a It's a depression era. Yeah. Yeah. It was a sub-theme sure. here, as opposed to in the, the book where it yeah. was the theme. But they, they still did draw on it, and they have this class system, like you pointed out, with the Munchkins, and they have Ms. Gulch, you know, using her political and monetary power to kill this dog. Yeah. <laughs> so it this was must there. be destroyed. Yeah. Which is psychopathic. Yes. Yeah. yeah that's insane behavior. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Is Toto the most famous dog in the world? Um, there's Lassie. I think Air Bud. Rinton Tin. Right. Airbud, um, yeah, Lassie Rinton Tin. I think it might actually be Rinton Tin, at least for its time, because well, sure. I mean, it took a while for for yeah. Toto to get famous, but yeah, now, Toto's top three, I think, most famous dogs. Maybe I was surprised by that too, because yeah. Toto was like adorable, but like also doing stuff. Yeah, it was. He was an active character. Yeah. Like he like gave Dorothy a high five at one point, I think, <laughs> or something like that. I mean, yeah, he, or yeah. he like. You know, gave her a handshake or something. It was adorable. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it seemed it's like a, a very well trained dog. Terry. Terry. Yeah. I'm surprised that yeah. they use the same dog the whole time because it is Terry. It's oh, yeah? just the one dog that's credited. And a lot of times, hmm. when there's like an animal with a role, it's yeah, there's like five of them. Yeah, yeah, multiple animals that just look the same. Like I yeah. don't notice. Um, what do you think of the songs? They were pretty good. I mean, I knew them for the most part, uh, but you know, like I really like the "Somewhere Over the Rainbow" song. Sure, it's fantastic. Um, Almost cut. Really? Oh, yeah. Studio wanted to cut it. Well, that they was, thought it was too well, slow. 
studio. Oh, they, the studio was like, get rid of it, and the director like really had to fight to keep it. Yeah, well, Victor Fleming. And it, it might be the most famous song in a movie. Probably. Yeah. Yeah, it would be high on the list mm. in any case. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. the, there's that one, and then in this movie, the If I Only Had a Brain are the two big hits, and the two best yeah. songs, certainly. Well, I always hear the, like, We're Off to See the Wizard tune. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, all, all three are, like, iconic. Yeah. Like, yeah. you can play just, like, a short second, and everybody knows exactly what song it is. Yeah. Right. And yeah. I, I forgot how often they reprised You Only Have a Brain, like, that each of them get their own little verse about it. It's the same tune. With the same, yeah, the same song, essentially. Yeah. Um, with alternative lyrics, and... So, I, yeah, that was surprising to me. I'd forgotten about that because I saw this movie for the first time, obviously, when I was a child. But the last time I saw it was in college. But it was the Dark Side of the Moon version. <laughs> so yeah. I, I almost did that this time around, but then the experience would be so different that it would be hard to, like, have this conversation. Yeah. Indeed. <laughs> yes, yeah. it would. Yeah, and it's bullshit, right? Like, the Dark Side of the Moon thing is... Yeah, it's There's a fake. few spots where it syncs up in a cool way. But it's just random. It's, yeah, like, the, yeah. the, the best one is when they're transitioning into color. Uh-huh. And uh, Money starts playing, the Pink Floyd song Money, um, right when, like, the color shows up. So that was cool. But other than that, like, it's... Okay. Like, Isn't something there something with the Tin Man, too, where yeah. she, like, she listens to Tin Man and something, like, sounds like a heartbeat in the song? Yeah, there's that. Yeah. And there's okay. moments when they're, like, leaning one way or the other, like, in time to uh, the whatever Pink Floyd song is happening at that, that moment. There's what so, class did you watch? <laughs> no, I didn't watch it in class. I watched oh, okay. it in, like, the... <laughs> Film society at my college <laughs> did it. Yeah, um, I've yeah. I've heard about that so much uh, yeah. that I that I kind of want to do it. Yeah, but, I mean, go ahead. You have to yeah. listen to that album multiple times in a row because it's shorter than the movie. Uh, <laughs> You're supposed to just restart no. it, and that's no, I was like, I'm oh out. fuck, <laughs> yeah, about that. I thought it lined up like no, movie. It does, to it does not. Album. <laughs> yeah, the movie's way longer than the album, so you have to do like. Well, there you go. No thanks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I'm not that into Floyd, so I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> I don't want to hear this again. I think but. they tried to do that with uh, The Force Awakens, and I started trying to watch that, and I was like, why am I doing this? That's, well, God, yeah. <laughs> Once was enough for that. Great, movie. great question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this movie also didn't wasn't like a huge success when it came out, which is surprising. That is surprising. Um, it only, in today's dollars, makes $52 million, so they only recoup like a four million dollar difference from yeah. the budget yeah. and the studio was like not super happy about that like yeah, they, i mean yeah mgm was all about efficiency yeah. yeah i mean i think it goes on to pay off many times over yes. over the life <laughs> of itself it's worth it now. i think the tv rights alone probably <laughs> are worth out, in then. the billions what how did it break out like all old movies, they kind of like re-release it like 10 years later or like okay. x number of years later a few times and then you know uh, when it came to TV, CBS bought the rights to it at some point, I want to say in the 60s, and then started showing it yearly. And that's when it really became adopted as, like, the American movie, essentially. Because, okay. like, then everybody saw it. Because we're at the moment in time where there's only, like, three yeah. TV yeah. channels. It's a huge, like, TV event. So, like, more people probably watched it than, like, the Super Bowl, okay. you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the well, year that it's on. And it would have been yeah. a time before yeah. home video. So, yeah. like, if you wanted to watch a movie at home, it had to just be it's on TV. Yeah, like, yeah. No other options. Yeah, it either, yeah, or it gets re-released. <coughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. you had to go to the theater, okay. get lucky. Um, so yeah, just your exposure. Yeah, made, made it popular. Yeah, it's, I think it's just a repetition on TV. It's the same reason, like, the Charlie Brown Christmas is like 
such a cultural touchstone yeah. just because it gets played every year and people see it. Yeah. So people yeah. don't like this because it gets hammered in their heads and they have no other option? I mean, there's definitely nostalgia to this movie. <laughs> right, and yeah. to that point, like, how do we feel about it as a film, right? Because, I mean, it's a kid's film, right? Like, this is yeah. a movie for children. So to evaluate it by the standards of a movie for adults is a little tricky. It's so... Well, I mean, sorry. so no, I'm I'm curious what you, what you guys think. Like, how well did this work? As for me, rewatching, yeah. I was like, this is a weird movie, <laughs> uh, like a really weird movie. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, yes. like if right off the bat, it's crazy. They yeah. that switch into Oz is insane, and it actually right. kind of reminded me of Rick and Morty a lot. <laughs> okay, I, mainly I'm watching a lot of well, they just watched the premiere of right. the third season, but. Um, it functions very similar, similarly, where they they just kind of like go off, and then the weirdest possible thing <laughs> happens. I mean, yeah, can you imagine yeah. like watching that movie during its release weekend and like having the Munchkins show up? Yeah, like we're sitting here and like we're expecting it, and we know what they look like, and we know the weird noises they make. <laughs> but like, if you're just a person seeing it for the first time with no context like that, it's like being on psychedelics, right? Like yeah, literally, because yeah. the film just like explodes into color. Yeah. The most intense <laughs> color possible. Yeah. And yes. and then the weirdest possible crap happens, right? Right. Like, for 90 minutes or and whatever's left. completely inexplicable, too. And yeah. and the main character, like, doesn't question it at all. <laughs> right. That's the <laughs> yeah. one of the weirdest things. Is that, yeah. Cause she, like, in, she just, like, goes along with everything. Yeah, like, in well, Kansas. Kansas is not Kansas anymore. Yeah. yeah, she's kind of whiny in Kansas, and, like, she has a problem with everything. And, like, as soon as she gets to us, she's like, well, I guess I put on these crazy shoes, and I walk down this road until I find this crazy city, because these crazy people <laughs> yeah. want me to do it. And it's like, okay. <laughs> like, this talking scarecrow is my friend now not okay. exactly like walking shoes either yeah she could also like you could kidnap dorothy very easily right like very easily she yeah. goes into professor marvel's like truck and i was like yeah don't go <laughs> in <laughs> yeah, no, like, i don't remember exactly innocent time yeah apparently yeah because yeah. i thought the same thing i was like oh man <laughs> yeah i was like this yeah. is bad like yeah I don't remember exactly what happens to this, but I mean, it yeah. looks There's a little bad. girl running away from home. It's right. Like not exactly the safest thing. Yeah, although I'm not yeah. sure how old Judy Garland actually is. Uh, I mean, she her, looks like she's 20. Right. <laughs> and like her persona for a lot of her career before this was as this asexual young girl, right? Mm. Like she was pitched as someone that is completely innocent, completely childlike, like okay. has nothing going on other than you know, the the typical stereotypical yeah. things you would want for a young girl. So, And she, I don't know, she doesn't really break that mold here, but she no, still looks like she's she, in her that 20s. That sounds exactly like her character. Right. So she's born in 22, so 39, she'd be 17. So she's probably like really? six, 15, 16 when she She looks this. older than that. Yeah. I thought. Really? I thought she looked like really young. I mean, she does look young and behaves young, but she, I, I'm surprised to hear that she's okay. only 16 years old. I, yeah, I would have pegged her at 20. Yeah. No kidding. That, okay. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, so he's, she's, as a character, I was concerned for her a lot. <laughs> and apparently you were right to be because she was still a child. Yeah, yeah. She, she hangs out with a lot of older men. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's true. Who's not in her family. Um, yeah, you're right. She makes friends, like, very easily. And, she's yeah. such a nice and wholesome person. She is a nice and wholesome person. Um, the, I guess... She... 
she yeah she's to to a fault right like she kills the witch and she feels bad she yeah. feels like really bad right it's like that was both right. witches that even was after like... the one witch threatened to kill her and her dog and like lights <laughs> yeah. the scarecrow on fire yeah and her friends and she still felt bad afterwards yeah. right and speaking of which that death scene is kind of creepy right especially for a kids movie when like, she melts when she melts into the floor yeah that's very upsetting yeah like I, I, I can imagine a child watching that and like I didn't feel it was that bad she just kind of Char- shrinks Charles have yeah. you seen um, Who Framed Roger Rabbit uh, I feel like I have, but I don't have much memory of it. Okay. Are you talking about like the eye, the eye poppy scene? Yeah, yeah. The the main bad guy, <laughs> um, played by uh, what's his face? I can only remember. Yeah, yeah it's Christopher Lloyd. No, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> he melts in a very horrific way. That is a reference to this. Oh, film. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't remember that. Maybe I haven't seen the whole thing. Um, but they do it. They punch up the horror element a lot in Who Framed okay. Roger Rabbit, which is also kind of played as a kid's movie, but I mean, like, yes, has no. a lot more adult it, themes. Yeah, like that one is clearly like winking at kids' movies a lot more than this one is, where it's just yeah. explicitly for children. Yeah. The movie I was reminded of most watching it this time was Labyrinth. I saw yeah. a lot of Labyrinth in here. Charles, have you seen Labyrinth? Nope. Okay, well, it's the same kind of thing where... Um, a young girl like yeah. goes off into a Plot crazy. Plot, yeah, think. yeah, almost to the point. Except that there's all those weird like sexual undertones in. Well, David in, Bowie's in the film. In Labyrinth. Yeah, well, David Bowie featuring his codpiece. Yeah, are in <laughs> are in Labyrinth. But it kind of it reminded me of that. That it's also mm-hmm. like this quasi coming of age movie and like a little bit of a puberty metaphor. Uh, that I was str- I, I was struck by it this time around. That, that, the parallels with Labyrinth that, that so much that they had to be intentional, I think. Yeah, I mean, one of, one of the things about Labyrinth is Labyrinth is like a horror version of this sure. movie, essentially. And like, even watching Labyrinth as an adult, it's like kind it's of a setting. Yeah, the the Jim Henson effects are upsetting. Yeah, um, <laughs> to say the least. This this one's still like pretty wholesome, but at the same at the same time, I was like, she's so like focused on getting back to Kansas. And I was I couldn't figure out why. Because <laughs> <laughs> her family's in Kansas, right? Not really. It's just like her uncle and aunt. That, that, that's the only. She family has we Toto see. with her, right? That's the only family yeah. we see. Yeah. And like the the professor sets her up to feel guilty about the aunt, right? Because she like believes the crystal ball thing about her aunt yeah. having a heart attack or something because she left. It's basically like the depths of the depression, right? Yeah. In Kansas, yeah. Uh, things are not going too hot for her family. Her family's not really there, mm-hmm. and. Oz is kind of awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she could have stayed there and like been queen, right? Because yeah, she's basically like a god. In, yeah, in yeah. Oz. Yeah, yeah. So I'm. I mean, but that's the messaging of the movie, right? Like the yeah. thing they tell you at the end is there. There's no place like home, right? Like that you should be valuing your people and where you're coming from and your background above all else. And yeah, I, I, I as an adult, I was like pretty skeptical. I was yeah, like, I don't know. Your home kind of sucks. Too. There's always like the <laughs> yeah. appreciate the yeah. people who love you sort right. of aspect of it, but there's also the sort of like kind of penning her into this farm life sort of aspect where it's like telling her not to follow her dreams yeah. and aspirations. When she doesn't, right? Like right. she has this amazing world that she could have stayed in. And like, she doesn't like, have like a lot of opportunity back home, yeah. right? Like right. it's kind of like a farmhand society. Right, but... she's going to end up marrying one of those one of those farmhands and popping out a few kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe yeah. she inherits the farm from her elderly <laughs> aunt and uncle. Right, like, woohoo. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I and she never even hesitates, right? Like, there's no point where she's like, "Oh, maybe this yeah. place is okay. Maybe I like my friends here." Maybe yeah, she never seems to consider that at all. Yeah, not for yeah. a second. 
They're they're all kind of like, yeah, you should like crush your dreams and not follow them. And she's yeah. like, yeah, it sounds like a good idea. <laughs> yeah, right. She yeah. was ready to run away. Right? She actually like doesn't have any dreams at all. Well, other than the whole movie, right? The, yeah, but she, she doesn't like have any <laughs> a, a, aspirations in her life. Though. Yeah, yeah. Her right? Aspiration to go somewhere over the rainbow. Yeah, and that's just it. Like Which she, has, she gets to. Yeah, and yeah. then decides that she doesn't well, actually like it that much. Maybe she wants a more real place over the rainbow. Yeah, well, I, I it's a good metaphor for travel, though, right? Because like, <laughs> okay. yeah, you you yeah. sort of spend a lot of money on traveling. You go there, and like, it could suck wherever you go. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but she has a really good time, and then and doesn't seem to enjoy it. Friends and all that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's hard not to read the movie as saying that. Your dreams will disappoint you. You should step on your dreams. And you should stay home. Yeah. yeah. Like that's, or yeah. like don't have dreams because right. they're wrong. The, yeah. And you'll get trapped somewhere. That <laughs> Which is, is a terrible message for it children. Is. Yeah. It's talk to strangers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> talk to very weird strangers. Yeah. <laughs> Befriend them. Who are older yeah. than you. Trust yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Tr- trust them and do anything with them. Yeah. <laughs> and then step on your dreams. Right. And, and stay home and yeah. marry the weird farm man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but the other mess, because this movie. Movie, that's the unintentional message, yeah. right? Kind of like that's not what they set out to do. But the intentional message of the movie is actually kind of worthwhile, right? Like where they're talking about how the things you want are inside of you and you can discover them yourself and you don't need someone else to give them to you that you can draw them out on your own. Like that, I think, is is a worthwhile message. It, they beat you over the head with it because it's a children's movie. Yeah. But um, it's at least mostly positive right it's, it's at least something that's inside you the whole time right yeah it's the space gym thing yeah where's it about it's basically space jam <laughs> space jam is a more plausible scenario at <laughs> least <laughs> they're equally impossible <laughs> what i thought was hilarious though is when uh he hands the scarecrow the diploma and it's like kind of a like incisive um like denouncement of the university system. Oh, absolutely. It still stands to this day. Yeah. And I couldn't help but crack up a bit at that. He's like, oh, you know, there's no difference between you and these guys except this piece of paper. Right. Kanye West would be proud. Yeah. He made multiple <laughs> albums about how that's bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That's funny and, how that's still relevant. Yeah. Well, and it's the same thing with the, the lion, right? That he, he just needs some, because it was clearly coded as a military award, right? Like, that's yeah. the thing he got that says code, that says courage. Yeah, he it. steals valor. Right. And Yeah. And so, <laughs> like, the message there is the same as the one with the diploma, right? That all these, you know, all this accoutrement and all these awards that we give to our military veterans are kind of bullshit, right? And which is, I don't know, subversive, weird, Well, I feel unexpected. like there's kind of two sides to it, right? It's like yeah. he's handing them these awards and in a way that reminds them that they actually do have these qualities and that they've been exhibiting them and using them. Yeah. And that they just need a reminder that they have them. And on the other hand, you can treat them as these very superficial representations of these qualities um, that are bullshit. I feel like yeah, you know, it, both ideas are represented here. Um, right. I mean, which is kind of a complex uh, message. And that, I think that's the intended message yeah. for a kid's movie, right? That, you're, that the one hand you're saying it's inside of you, but you still value the outside affirmation. And maybe it's not that bad to it's, value that. It's good to have a reminder. Yeah. You got to remind yourself that you have these qualities, yeah. that you've accomplished these things. So, I mean, it's. it's I guess more nuanced than it might first look like. What do you think, Crossman? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's a secondary message of the movie. What do you read as the primary message? Of the movie? That like you should value your family. And, yeah, you think that's and yeah. where you come from, like above all else. Yeah, I mean that's how they end it, right? Like, yeah, there's no place like home, and 
I'm seems like a classic like, small town American sort of value. Right. I mean, but a lot well, of stories about small town America are about escaping and like the, oh. the good that comes from getting out. This one is not right. Like this yeah. one's about the good of yeah. So you can get in trouble. Back, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like you should return and stay there. So yeah, it kind of is at once like this hyper conservative message and also this like kind of affirmative like life affirming message about believing in yourself which makes sense though right because it's kind of, it's probably like it's very distilled down version of mm-hmm. the original story like yeah. the movie actually flows like it's just off like right you they leave kansas pretty quickly and then you meet one character in one scene and then the next scene you meet the other character and then the next yep. scene you meet the other character and the then movie. they're like they make it to the emerald city right yep. and the movie's like it's fast. I guess it I didn't expect them fast. to be there just yeah. immediately. I thought it would be yeah. a journey, right? But I, yeah. I guess the <laughs> wizard gives them a quest after that. Yeah, yeah. and they accomplish it. A little fetch it. quest. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> go, <laughs> go here, kill this thing. Right. I mean, I was. I remember watching this when I was younger and this time too, and like they meet up with the lion in the forest, mm-hmm. and he's like all excited about going to the Emerald City, and then like the next scene, it's right there. It's like, man, why don't you just go? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, apparently, it's a, a short walk away. <laughs> Well, they they uh, they uh, get a heroin dose before yeah, they go. Like, well, it's probably opium in the, <laughs> yeah. in the in the 30s, right? Like, I think that's what poppies mean. I don't understand why snow wakes her up. That it's never, cocaine. Is that what it is? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Well, I think the snow like kills the poppies. Right. I guess that's yeah. the closest. I, that was my closest guess. Ah, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't it's make like the craziest stuff, anyway. It's so. magic <laughs> snow, right? From yeah. Linda the Good. Mm-hmm. Clearly. And that does remind me of uh, probably my favorite, probably my favorite line in the movie when they're meeting up with the, when they find the guy behind the curtain, like pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. And he yeah, says, the professor. I, uh, I, I'm a good man, but I'm a bad wizard. <laughs> I think that that. He's not really a good man, though. He He's yeah, kind of like this weird second. dictator of the city. <clears throat> right. Uh, Although it's, okay. it's, again, not clear what life is like for these people in Oz. Like, they don't look like they're having that bad a time, but yeah. they still clearly have this dictator who they're living well, in fear of. Oz, Oz is like, a, the Emerald City at least seems to be led by the wizard. Yes. Right? Yes. Versus Munchkinland, which seems like, has a mayor, but seems like a much more like egalitarian society. <laughs> Maybe, um, yeah. And then between is just like farmland. Right, right. right. Much like America, I guess, right? You yeah. Have, you know, big stuff on either coast. Yeah. Farmland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's that allegory again. So, yeah, that was striking to me watching it this time. I was like, mm-hmm. this is like interesting political messaging as yeah to like how societies are formed right yeah. and, and propagated and, and like they yeah. they don't have any method to organize their society after the wizard leaves so they just put the scarecrow and the lion and the tin man in charge <laughs> like that that's they're running the emerald city now and there's nothing in there to indicate that anybody actually wanted them to do that like they're just the wizard said they were and they said okay well in the lion in particular right because he kind of yeah. assumes a role as as like a fake king, essentially. Right, yeah. Like, his mm-hmm. re- The reference being the king of the jungle. Right. right. Well, right. king of the forest. Forest. The lions don't live in the forest. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, you're right that there is this kind of goofy, odd political messaging that it feels like it's distilled down from the original story. Yeah, yeah. I think so. But, again, it seems like just like a pastiche of <clears throat> scenes that, like, are meant to just move the story along. Like, anything that doesn't do that kind of got c- cut from the movie it seems like 
Which yeah. would make sense if they were ready to cut like Somewhere Over the Rainbow as a song. Mm-hmm. Which is insane, right? Like, yeah, completely like, insane. insane. Yeah. Yeah. Like a ridiculous idea. Yeah. So I'm sure there's other stuff on that like cutting room floor that or it was like kind of the connecting pieces of this story. Yeah. That yeah. what for whatever reason didn't advance the plot <laughs> fast enough. So the studio is like out. Like Yeah. Although yeah. I mean I, I felt like it speaking of this narrative structure, like them going to the Emerald City and then having to leave again to go to the witch's place and then going back to the Emerald City. Like there, like I feel like they could have tightened up the story a little bit. because um, that that's where it, it drags well, for me. And Charles right, it's a fetch quest, right? It is <laughs> it's meant right. to like disrupt the overall storyline. Yeah, which it, yeah. it did. It felt really out of place and yeah. to me anyway. Well it yeah. let them like show their like courage and brains. Right. And I, I, I feel like that <laughs> should have occurred before they ended up in the Emerald City at all. Right? Like yeah. that, that that then the Emerald City becomes the the reward for doing this thing. I understand why they did it the way they did because they need the wizard to show up and like be intimidating and then come back and you tear him yeah. down. But it still like didn't <laughs> fit together for me as well as it could have. Yeah, this is the same sort of uh, Lord of the Rings issue too where Glenda yeah. is like easily moving from place to place. <laughs> right. It's like, hey, why didn't you just like go with Glenda? Versus the rocks and yeah. uh, yeah. Lord well, of the And the answer yeah. is because then there's no movie. Yeah, right? exactly. Like, that's yeah. what's really going on. <laughs> um, so speaking of the many readings of this movie, I kind of poked around to see like how many different scopes people have. There's got to be millions. Right? There, are, there are so many. There was, <laughs> apparently when it came out, people read it as a feminist allegory, right? Like that that it's this story about a young woman asserting herself in this, you know, weirdo society and like getting the things she wants through her own tenacity and spunk and whatever, which... And accidentally, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if that's a real strong reading. There was another one who read it as a Christ story Right, that that it's like theological in nature. I'm trying then, to then there's another one. Mind around that. Yeah, there's like, another one. I don't who, even see the points no, that line I, up. No, but yeah. that, that apparently it was a thing. There's other people who took it the other way and said that it was anti-religious because it's full of witches and magic, and got it kicked out of schools and stuff like that. Um, there is the economic allegory, and then uh, gosh, there was another one that was equally bizarre, but. This movie seems to lend itself to that kind of thing. Right? Well, it's so weird. <clears throat> exactly. No drugs. Like, that was the other one. That it was just <laughs> <laughs> drugs. Yeah. That was just about drugs. That it was this movie. Well, opium's in it, right? right. The, yeah, that was their strongest argument. That Although was, um, right. Alice in Wonderland, right, has a lot of drug stuff too, and people mm-hmm. connect to that. Well, that like, very seems quickly. like it's much more of a drug story than Wizard of Oz. Yeah, that one's also apparently about math too. Yes, and uh, um, like math is like really important. Yeah, linguistics yeah. are super important um, in Alice in Wonderland. It's kind of a textbook, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. When did Alice in Wonderland come out? The movie. The movie. Boy, I, the the animated ones. I feel like I I get these two properties mixed up all the time. That's easy. Yeah, I can understand yeah. why you would. Yeah, they they follow a similar. It's like Labyrinth, right? They follow. They hit a lot of the same beats. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Alice, even has kind of a similar outfit. It's got that yeah blue and white color scheme. Yeah, the blue white dress, and she's also just kind of you know, dumbly accepting of everything that happens to her. So, looks like 1951 was okay. the Disney... It's a bit okay. Well, and the, it was written well before that. Yeah, 1865 <laughs> yeah. was yeah, the novel. The, oh. Yeah, so um, then... And then, then see nuts. when The Wizard of Oz is written. Uh, yeah, 1900. <laughs> it was 1900, okay. Yeah, so it's written later, but the movie comes out sooner. Okay, so yeah, the, you have... Although I don't think it would have been possible to do Alice in Wonderland live action 
Well, they did eventually, but they, you couldn't have not have done With, it. like, CGI. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, you couldn't have done it then. I yeah. think it only makes sense as an animated movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and speaking of the production of this movie, there's some impressive costuming here. Right. And like, sets. The yeah. sets are insane. Yeah. Like yeah. The, the I think I remarked that some of the special effects seem pretty good. Yeah. As yeah. well, like uh like the fire and smoke effect that the witch had. That was right. pretty nice. Uh she apparently the actress got burned by it and oh, was okay. hospitalized for of two weeks. So when she first disappears out of Munchkinland, um there's a trap door in, in the oh, road. And so the effect is she, like, goes to the smoke, drops to the trap door, and then fire comes up. Yeah. And they timed it properly, and she got burned really badly on her arms. Uh, well, you can kind of see yeah. it. Like, I, I yeah. noticed in this... Um, and I think that's in the cut that yeah. we see. Yeah, because yeah, you see, like, the smoke and fire come up before she actually gets to the spot. Yeah. Like, she's that's little... part of why I was so impressed by it. Okay. <laughs> that's her getting... Still in the... She's being oh, set no. on fire. Yeah. 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 That's why the special so effects were so yeah. good. They yeah. She had, like, fire. second or third degree burns and, oh, like, God. was hospitalized. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, you can see her, like, miss her mark a little bit. So she's literally melting? She's literally melting. Yeah, that's what's going on. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, so the costumes are amazing. There's, yeah. There's got to be, like, 300 Munchkin costumes that were Seriously. made that are all incredible. Yeah. Um, right. And the witch's costumes and the makeup effects are... Yeah, well, uh, the one that stuck out for me was the Scarecrow. Like, it really does look like it's a it's a bag that's talking. His and his face yeah. is yeah, right. his face yeah, yeah that is kinda amazing. Because it's like yeah. a face in a bag, right? Yeah, like, and it's it is creepy, but it's seamless to yeah his facial features, yeah. which is right. There there I'm are some sure shots. Yeah, there are shots where if you're looking for it, you can see where the makeup is. But most of the time, it reads really well. Even yeah. the Tin Man is like a mechanical that. suit, like works pretty well. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the the yeah. lion less so, right? Like that was yeah, the face very, really cheesy. Yeah, yeah, very plainly a dude in a in a, a outfit or something. Yeah, but the other two worked great. The witch worked really great. Um, the effect with the with Glinda's bubble that's floating along yep. was really good for 1939. Yeah, yeah that's got to be a double exposure. It, yeah, 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 but yeah. I mean it functioned well. Um, so yeah, t- I, I feel like the technical end of this movie gets a lot of attention for being the first movie in color, but. The costuming of the, like I said, the sets are. Yeah, Munchkinland is a crazy set. They pan yeah. around it for a long time, and it's a big set mm-hmm. that they're doing. Yeah. And, and the scenes in the woods are all long panning <coughs> shots, too. Yeah. And yeah. seamless. So it's like so they built they some. They the whole set built. Yeah, they built some pretty big sets for yeah. this and then used uh, background paintings or matte paintings to, you know, fill in the background, some of which look a lot better than others. But, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. the. Um, the Wicked Witch's castles, that's a huge set. Yeah. Too. Oh, yeah. Because they show them up on the like the ramparts mm-hmm. and they they literally run from like one to the other. It's like they built like a corner of a castle <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. to shoot this one scene. Right. And that's yeah. it. Like because they're only out there for what, a couple minutes. Yeah. So this this was shot in Culver City where I, I used to live in LA. And um, there's a lot of like signs of this movie still around. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, so the big studios are still there. They're owned by Sony now. Um, mm-hmm. And um, there was a hotel that was built, I believe, to house the the Munchkins that still stands, okay. and it's like a historical landmark now. Um, and there's uh, there's like a statue for the lion, mm-hmm. and then in the hotel there's a right. bunch of like memorabilia and stuff like that. Okay. So, like there there Culver Culver City was the place to shoot at the time. Like, Gone with the Wind is being shot on the yeah, same set. Yeah, that's where all those MGM lots were. Like, they yeah. those out for peanuts and... Yeah. Made, 
a bunch of money. And then later, those were all used to shoot TV. It became Desilu Studios in the 60s, and all the Star Trek, old Star Treks were shot there. Um, And it's still in use today. It's used to shoot, like, just, like, daytime television, but... But people shoot there. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it, you're right. It is famous. Because like, that's, I mean, pick an MGM movie and it was probably made there. The Gone with the Wind house is there. Okay. Um, it's an mm-hmm. office. There you go. It's an office building now. <laughs> and I walked by it a bunch of times without <laughs> knowing this is weird, like, southern mansion. Like, <laughs> in, in the middle of Los Angeles. And then I read later, it was like, oh, it's this is the Gone with the Wind house and it's right here. Wow. Yeah. It's just like an office now for Sony. Right. Because well, the, the studios are behind the building. Well, and it's probably protected by the same historical society, whatever. Yeah. If they can't just build a real office there. Uh, yeah, it might be. But I think Sony kind of likes it. Acknowledges and, and that I'm, it's uh, yeah, important. It. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, the, ho- the hotel's cool, too. They have a cool, like, bar on the first floor. Okay. A- apparently, it's not, like, a great hotel to stay in because the rooms are actually quite small. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> But but it's a cool bar. Okay, yeah. right on. Yeah. Do they serve small drinks? No. Okay. <laughs> um, well, it's and it was owned by Charlie Chaplin, apparently. Really? Hotel. Yeah, he won it. Um, or uh, it was like won in a game of poker from Charlie Chaplin to um, what's his face, the most famous like cowboy movie, John Wayne. Sorry. John Wayne. Yeah, John Wayne won the mo- hotel. <laughs> From Charlie Chaplin in a poker game. Wow. Yeah. That sounds like something out of a John Wayne movie. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a Millennium Falcon. That's a, yeah. yeah, or that. Yeah. There's our... So, yeah, it was interesting to kind of, like, live around this, I like, can city, which is, like, very, like, historically important to the, all these old films. Yeah. yeah. Well, and yeah. speaking of Gone with the Wind, uh, same director, right? Like, isn't that amazing? Wait, what? The, the Wizard of Oz and Gone with the Wind were oh. both directed by Victor Fleming. And right. that I mean, Gone with the Wind went through several directors. Like, he was the one that got credit. But still, like, he had two of the most important American movies of all time. Same year. Same year. Yeah. <laughs> in the same year. One of which won Best Picture. And, uh, yeah, so he must have been a busy guy. I don't know I don't know how he pulled that off. I mean, part of it is that he didn't have to truly really have to do all the work for Gone with the Wind. But yeah, still. and it's, it's what, studio system years, right? So he's just contracted <clears throat> to make a bunch of films yeah. for them. Yeah, and it's, it's a very... At that time, very producer-driven filmmaking rather than director-driven filmmaking, so he doesn't have as much of a role, but it's still directing a movie, and that's a lot of work. Um, he did two of them. I mean, just doing two movies in general in a year is uncommon. And, and Never difficult. mind, like, two of the most like, known produc- Yeah, well, well and time. known for their production, right? Like, known for their, like, very mm-hmm. harsh and expensive production qualities. Uh yeah, I needed them both. So, but you can tell that like these movies like couldn't exist outside of the system though, because there yeah. there has to be armies of people that are making this film. Yeah, not not just the actors, but the like. There's got to be a giant army of set designers and you know construction and yeah. all this stuff because there's they're so insane. Like how much goes into yeah. the Wizard of Oz? Well, and, and the actual army of Munchkins. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like how like you said, there were. There's got to be a hundred at yeah. least. Yeah, unless they're very creative with their framing, but it certainly looked like a lot. You got that that, that um, wide angle shot when they're leaving Munchkinville, and yeah, there's a ton of them. Yeah, and they're all like, you know, you know all the different guilds and uh, 
<laughs> which are unclear as to what they do other than like yeah, make, know that they, they make lollipops and whatever the other thing lullabies and lullabies. yeah that, that <laughs> one i don't know about the value of the lullaby guild <laughs> agreed you gotta the, get to sleep i mean this is only like a communist society could like have that right, <laughs> right where <yeah>. you're <laughs> producing lullabies <laughs> as, a, as, as a, a function a commodity of work yeah <laughs> uh, lollipops i'd understand but yeah you can uh, sell those they're a thing they're, yeah they're tangible uh, i'm curious about because like, we've talked about a few movies at this point that have it, gotten into our popular con- consciousness in a very real way, right? Yeah. Like that you can make a reference to it and everybody knows exactly what you're talking about, like or the all the references to like Raiders with the rolling boulder and things like that. It feels like this movie is on another level, right? Where you hear people say things like, we're not in Kansas anymore, and it's not. They're not thinking about it's the like Wizard the most of Oz. Mind-numbing, right? Which is ever. a stupid right. thing to say, right? Yeah. Like, it, well, and it's reused in other movies a lot, right? Yeah, but so much so that you can hear it, or you can talk about Toto the dog, or like anything like that, and you're not really thinking about Wizard of Oz, right? Like, it it's, just comes so naturally, right? It's just so much a part of. American culture and American mm-hmm. popular culture it, that it's almost the references are divorced from the source at this point. Yeah. Right. They're just a thing that you say to have a, a tagline, a slogan of. Yeah. I mean, literally, like every scene is memorable. Yeah. Like, yeah. Nearly every song. Yeah. Yeah. Like the, I, I had forgotten that the um, really short song that they have when they're leaving the poppies, you know, we're out of the woods, that one. It, I don't even remember that. But, okay, yeah, I've already but, forgotten that. Yeah. It's it shows up in The Sopranos. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like it's it's referenced several times in The Sopranos, <laughs> and like there are so many moments like that. That like how far removed is The Sopranos from Wizard of Oz? A lot, but here's a direct reference <laughs> in in that show. Same thing. Like you, you see it in The Simpsons. You see it in Family Guy. You see it in the, throughout animation. So and, and it doesn't feel like a reference to Wizard of Oz. It feels like just a part of our language. Yeah. Which and is funny because this movie has a sequel. <laughs> what? Oh, no. Yeah. Well, other than the James Franco one? No, yeah. uh, Return to Oz from the oh, 80s. Oh, yeah, that's right. Have you seen that? No, but I, I, now that you mentioned it, I remember it. <laughs> that is a much darker movie. <laughs> okay. Much darker. Maybe she was More right More fitting of what we expected, perhaps? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's got... Um, so the... Uh, Monkeys are kind of replaced with these creatures called wheelers, which that sounds more devious. Yeah, which like have like wheels as back legs, yeah. and it's like pretty horrific. Yeah, and then the the witch in it, she like steals um, women's heads, and she's able to like uh, sort what? of like <laughs> she like occupies the the head essentially, and she like oh, is God. able to switch her heads in and out. That's yeah. horrifying. Yeah, it's a terrifying movie. Yeah. It's from '85, so that like makes sense. It's like, like, yeah. this gross is... out stuff you'd find in the '80s. Yeah, no, yeah, the, the, the mid '80s are weird for having like very dark, like children's material, like um, Labyrinth, like Labyrinth, like yeah. the Dark Crystal, yeah. Return to Oz. Um, even the like lighter movies are pretty dark. Um, yeah, they, like, it was really easy to get a PG rating back then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, PG thirteen doesn't exist Please until Raiders. Um, yeah. yeah. Gremlins is another yeah. like very dark like children's movie. Right. Yeah. Right. That probably would have earned the PG thirteen if <laughs> if it came out with modern production values today. Yeah. Yeah. Although you raise an interesting point that this is also a property that has been reappropriated a lot. 
right? Not just in the sense that people are referencing it directly, but like telling stories within this world that are really pretty far apart from the source material. Yeah. Like you talk about. Wicked is pretty huge. With, yeah, that's what I was going to mention. I've never seen Wicked. that one. I have seen Wicked. Um, yeah, I haven't I, seen it. I'm but. not like super into musicals, but Wicked, I haven't read it. I saw the, mu or the musical. Um, it sympathizes with the Wicked Witch. Like that's, that's the premise, but it also like finds ways to answer all the weird shit that happens in Oz. Like there's reasons for it. <laughs> so, like you find out why she's green. You find out where the, um, is it Monkeys because of midichlorians? Come from, yep, it's because of midichlorians. And you, find, <laughs> you find out that she knew the straw man, or the scarecrow, and the tin man, and the lion beforehand, and they were just like regular dudes that she turned into crazy monstrosities. Like, there's all this, like, they answer every, like, nearly every okay. single question you could have about what is this crazy thing doing here? Wicked is like, this is what it's doing here. Like, here's an answer. That's what you're saying. Yeah. That takes away some of the fun of it. Yeah, it's a totally different experience than Wizard of Oz. Yeah. Um, it I mean, that's the same uh, thing with the James Franco movie, right? Yeah. I mean, it explains how the wizard got there. And oh, is that what's going I on? I think he, like, turns Mila Kunis into the Wicked Witch. Okay. Um, by spurning her or something, if I remember. I, I don't remember much of that movie, but it, it explains even more stuff. Yeah. And I, I guess it's kind of, on the one hand, like, you sit down and watch it, and it's neat to, like, have explanations for all this stuff. But on the other hand, you're right. It takes away from the, the magic, and it's these things that are only significant to the audience because of this other thing yeah. outside of the text. Right? Like, you only understand why it matters that this guy turns into a Tin Man because you understand what Wizard of Oz is. So it's kind of this text that doesn't stand on its own, like that requires, it, even more so than like a sequel would, it requires mm -hmm. this other knowledge coming into it. And I don't know if it's correct to critique something for that, but it's that's wicked. Like that's exactly what I went doing. to uh, karaoke with some coworkers. And they were they did like three wicked songs in a row, oh, yeah. and I was like, "What? What are these songs? I've never heard this music before." And they like they looked at me like I was from outer space. They're like, "It's really? from Wicked." I was like, "I don't know. Never know seen it. it. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think I know a single Wicked song. The big... They're crazy. They're crazy yeah. songs. Well, yeah, like they are. They're kind of like talk songs too, yes. where they like say yes. things and then they sing them and say things. Uh, and yeah, like, like a lot of the very stories, weird. A lot of the story is told through those songs. And yeah. so if they're taken out of context, it is just incoherent. <laughs> uh, that was my experience. Yeah. This was like 20 minutes where I was just like, I don't even know what's going <laughs> on right now. Like, yeah, there's, I think the big ones were popular and was Defying Gravity and Wicked. Th th those are the ones that I remember. Sure. Uh, I've, I've, yeah. I couldn't tell you. <laughs> yeah. If they were doing Wicked songs, they probably did those. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right that you can't just pick them up and, and move them some other place and expect them to make sense. No, yeah, they're crazy. Yeah, <laughs> so. which I guess is kind of reflective of Wicked itself, right? Like, you, if you didn't know Wicked of Oz, like if it's last supplemental week... supplemental material. Yeah, exactly. If you had gone to see Wicked last week... It's like fan fiction, right? I'm it's glad, like a musical I'm glad nobody fiction. got me yeah. a ticket right? Exactly. It could have happened. Yeah. happened. I'd just be very confused. Yeah. But yeah, it's exactly like fan fiction, which I guess kind of feeds into musical culture, or Broadway musical culture, anyway. Yeah. This, yeah. this is another one of those movies where they just kind of like start singing, and I was like, do they have like practices? Like, Well, that's musicals, right? Yeah. Like, that's yeah. musicals in general. Yeah. <laughs> the musical universe. Yeah. Um, so G Judy Garland in this movie, she's kind of a tragic figure in real life. Oh, where, absolutely. Um, yeah. She becomes like a drug addict and an alcoholic. And, right. Um, right. Well, it, it, it's the classic child actor 
their narrative, right? Like that, mm-hmm. she she kind of defines it in a lot of ways. Yeah, but she's also very much like of her time, right? Because she dies of like a benzodiazepine like overdose, yeah. which is like what you give women to calm down in the sixties yeah. and fifties, oh, and yeah, uh, combined with alco- alcohol is like <laughs> not where you want to be. Yeah, yeah. I think she died in like her mid fifties or something. Right. Well, and it, it's so clashed with her on-screen persona. Right, because she's was pitched the opposite. She's like America's Girl, right? Right, opposite yeah. Mickey Rooney for so long, mm-hmm. and then Stars Born, and then uh, this movie had had like a famous, uh, you know, singing tour. Yeah, like she went and like did her greatest hits. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it was all very wholesome, all American. Wasn't her actually singing in the movie too? Yeah, oh yeah, she's, I mean, she's, she's really good, pretty good singer. Yeah, she's talented. Like, there's a reason she was famous. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so it's ironic and and even makes it more tragic that they're her off screen. Life is so drastically opposed to yeah. what she was doing in public. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting. She, she's also like a like a proto like gay rights person. Yeah, that's too. Oh, I mean, she that's like where the early gay rights supporter. That's where the yeah. Friends of Dorothy thing comes from. Yep, is this mm-hmm. this movie uh, like a, the code to signal you were gay before when it was dangerous to say that? Um, okay. It was a reference to Dorothy Gale. What's the last name? Gale. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, like the wind, like the wind, like the tornado. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's also oh. Liza Minnelli's mother. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, she was a she was a tragic figure. Um, yeah, that's just sad. Yeah, because <laughs> she's so known and celebrated, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So Charles, what's the? Um, I, f- I feel it's odd to like recommend. Wizard of Oz, <laughs> right? Like cause it, it's no. just unnecessary. Uh, right? Did you like it? Yeah, yeah, certainly did. Uh, that. I would say that's something else I was surprised about by this movie. Uh, I went into it thinking that, you know, I know that it's basically a kid's movie and that maybe I'd be bored by that or maybe I'd find it too cheesy or maybe too old or something like that. But, like, as I started watching it and she, like, starts singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow, I just, I kind of felt like I was a kid again watching it. And that sure. was a wonderful feeling. I don't get to I don't get to feel that way that often these days, you know. So it was nice to be able to just sit back and just enjoy a movie um, mostly unironically yeah, and just appreciate what's on screen, right? I mean, like, later on, it was hard to separate it from, like, you know, my adult self thinking about what the themes mean and all that. Right. But it was nice to have that sort of, that type of viewing of a movie that I don't get to experience too often. Yeah, I hear that. It's very it, I mean, it's just... it holds your attention, like, really well. Yeah. Like, it, it does a very good job of, like, this is happening, this is happening. This. There's no, like, down moment in the movie. Yeah. Like, as soon as a new scene starts, it's, like, this new, like, little adventure in each scene. Yeah. Yep. And um, it feels a lot like a play. Like, it, it plays, yeah. like, a theatrical or a I theater production yeah, That's a something lot. else that kind of helped yeah. the movie not feel too old is yeah. because, like, even though you can tell the sets are small, you can see the walls, it almost feels like, you know, one of those kids shows where they do have the set on stage or whatever and they're filming totally. it on there. Mm-hmm. You just get that feeling and it kind of works as a theme for it being a family or a kids movie. Yeah. yeah, you almost like, I almost like give them a pass on like the lion costuming because it looks like it's something that would be in a theater production of, sure. of this story. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it like it makes sense like within this world that feels like it's very much out of, like a story out book. of the theater. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, yeah like, a, like you'd open a children's book and see this big illustration, right? And there it's on screen. Yeah, Same kind of thing here. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, so it's a it's a thumbs up. Absolutely, not just for kids. It was wonderful. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I, I 
It was good to rewatch this after like having not seen it for twenty years. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, because my last viewing was the Dark Side of Oz, Pink Floyd <laughs> thing. So before that, I honestly don't remember the last time I saw it. So yeah, <laughs> twenty years it must have been. I think the last time I saw it was on TV. Okay. So it was probably edited for TV too, which yeah might have been why I didn't remember like the sort of telegraphing that the like. Oh, yeah. The farmhands are the characters because uh, they're not subtle about it. Yeah, I bet that gets cut in the TV version. Okay, the, those true. scenes that kind of set that up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they could. Yeah, they kind of dawdle at Kansas sometimes. So yeah, if they want to move that along and get to the the color portion, they can understand yeah. CBS moving in that direction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows though? I I don't know. It's been a long time. So, um, so. Wilson, what are we going to watch next week? Uh, well, I want to stay with the classic Hollywood thing, so we're going to watch Casablanca. All right. Get some Humphrey Bogart in there. Nice. Um, so we'll see how you respond to what, what really is a classic noir film at this point. Okay. Um, and all black and white and the quintessential Humphrey Bogart role. Cool. All right. All right. Looking forward to it. See you next week for Casablanca.